Hello, welcome to Connect GSO, your opportunity to learn more about the city of Greensboro and the hardworking people who make things happen in our city. At the city of Greensboro, we're purpose-driven, people-centered, data-informed, but behind all of that are people who make it happen every day. This podcast is our opportunity to reintroduce myself to you, our residents, and provide an environment that allows you to hear directly from the people who serve you daily. It's an opportunity to hear from various individuals who work in different departments, divisions, and offices about the work they do every day to make our city the most desirable mid-sized American city. This is episode number seven, and our guest today is one of our city's amazing leaders and my good friend, Bridget Blanton. Welcome, Bridget. Thank you. Well, glad to be here. It's good to have you here. So Bridget heads our Greensboro Public Library, which means she's surrounded by people, books, and digital resources all day long, right? Of course. Okay. So did I miss anything there? People, books, and digital resources? What else are you surrounded by all day long in the library? I think I'm surrounded by people and individuals who have either a desire to learn mm-hmm. or people who have the willingness to help others learn. That's good. People have a willingness to help other people learn. So there's a little bit of a history here. Our public library has existed for more than 100 years. Yes. 1902. Exactly. While it was one room in City Hall. Correct. Where was that City Hall? Do we even? You know, the address, I'm not sure of exactly, but the one that I think I probably remember as much as being in City Hall is the fact that it actually used to be in the History Museum. Interesting. Which, ironically, in 19, end of 96, top of 97, um, became part of our library department. Wow. Wow. I can imagine then if it was one room at City Hall, how many books one room could contain. <laughs> of course, there was no internet way back then. And wow, that's, you know, but you also have, so today we have this huge facility and also nine different locations across the city. Right. So a central library, mm-hmm. the seven branches, and then the History Museum as our ninth location. Wow, that's great. So people within maybe five mile and my radius of where they live, there's a library close by. Yes, exactly. It's amazing. That's fantastic. So if you if you can get to a public transit, you're likely going to be able to hit a library. If you can drive, you can. Most definitely. That's good. Well, so, you know, I've got so many questions for you today. <laughs> so let's get to it. I often wonder, in 2022, do people still read books? Of course people still read books. Now, they read them in different formats. So okay. a lot of people still come in and prefer, you know, physical format, which is the print book. But then there are people who read them online, a lot of people who listen to books um, through Audible kind of things. And we actually have access to all of that and free of charge. The, they come to the library they, for that. They come to the library or they can access it online as well, those that don't want the physical print books. You know, I don't remember the last time I read a newspaper in print form. I, I read it digitally. Uh, but I also see people who say they cancel their subscriptions. I imagine that that in 2022, people read print, I still do, I still come to the library to borrow and to return. But do you see more and more people using the digital or audibles? What what do you see? You know, it's interesting. We find a lot of people who, of course, when it comes to newspapers and magazines, of mm-hmm. course, that's, you know, more, um, it's easier access okay. if you do it digitally. Yes. But when it comes to the book, that's about a preference because a lot of people talk about, like, if I'm the person who reads at night, yeah. It's people want to cuddle up with a book. That's you can't true. really cuddle up with your Kindle You're or your right. iPad. That's so, true. so, and then you also have one of the things I continue to say when people ask me if books are going away. 
since so many people have their children using technology now, when you put, and I have actually pictures of some of my friends' kids, you give them a book. That's the novelty now. So I don't think we're going away. It's just about how we introduce books to people. And as long as there are folks like me and like you, books are going to exist. We'll be reading. If you walk into (laughs) my house, the first thing, one of the first things that you see is a shelf with books. Yeah, my, my husband said, could you please not buy anymore? Yeah, just a lot of them. <laughs> I love it. I love the feel of paper. I just like to be able to underline and yellow highlight or red highlight. I just be able to, to read through things. So in our conversations, when I, when I first got here, you were one of the first people that I actually met before I got here. Uh, and then when I got here, I came over to visit you at the library. And in our conversations, you had said, you made r- lots of references to the library being a conduit to destiny, and I love that. So let's talk about that for a minute. What does it mean? So, you know, it's interesting. You know, the library has a mission statement that includes, you know, fostering lifelong learning, providing free and equal access to information, and inspiring the joys of reading. But one of our former deputy directors said to me, he said, but did you know when I go around and I talk to the staff at branches, they're constantly talking about the fact that you say that public libraries are a conduit to destiny. And I'm like, I believe that. And so what does that mean? That means regardless of what you're pursuing, your public library has the ability to connect you to that. So I say, you want to be a teacher? Okay, we can help you with resources that prepare you better That's good. in that thing. But if you want to be a preacher, we still have a whole religion section. You have that. If you want to be an engineer, access to that. And then if we don't actually have the materials, we have the ability and we're trained to guide you in the right direction to get uh-huh. you there. So not necessarily the place you stay, but the conduit to get to you to where you need to be and want to be. So it equips you. It's, it's, a, it's like a, a room full of tools. Exactly. So it's a speak. So if I want to be a business person, accountant, it's not enough for me to go. uh, I don't have to necessarily be until I have a degree in that space. But if I am surrounded, because the library is like a university, I think you said it too. Right, people's university. Exactly. So even if I don't have a bachelor's or an associate degree, but all I in a particular subject area, but I want to learn more about it, the library provides that opportunity to equip me to learn more about exactly. it. Exactly. And it does it in a non-judgmental space. That's good. We used to talk a lot about um, when people were initially, when computers became huge and libraries were offering computer classes and people would say why Mm -hmm. it's a lot easier to go into a public library to learn the basics of computers before you go to a community college to take a class where there's an instructor in front Mm -hmm. of you so it's a non-judgmental zone to take you again from where you are to where you want to be and then in the library you also have uh, opportunities for people to do career search right you correct we actually have a job and career Uh librarian in my um almost 35 years with the library the Greensboro Public Library had a job and career counselor when I started in the library 35 years ago. Wow. And, uh, you know, it would be very interesting because a lot of people don't know this, right? Right. Uh, and, and so that's that's a plug for our public library here in Greensboro. You, you actually have someone on staff who focuses on that. Correct. That's incredible. And we also have one that uh, someone who focuses on business and nonprofits. So a lot of small businesses actually come to our small business nonprofit librarian yes. to make the decisions, mm-hmm. sometimes specifically is it a nonprofit that I'm starting it or is it a business? Should it be an LLC? Yeah. And then going through that process and then connecting with resources. So those are two of the specialists that we actually have on staff housed out of our central library. That's good. When we first met, I, 
I said some, I shared my own experience with you about library, how from high school I've been fascinated by books. I mean, so much more that I even tried to broke into the high school library to get <laughs> books. Uh, but I, I love books. I feel like the library is my happy place. Right. Um, but you also, in addition to the different locations you have, you also have a reference to safe place locations. Tell us a little bit about that. So Safe Place is actually a national organization. Yeah. And so... Um, I can go back to at least 1988 because mm -hmm. that's when I worked in my first branch. And we have the safe place signs, which are the large yellow signs. Okay. And what it really means, if specifically with teens or young people who are in danger, they can actually go into a public library, tell the library staff that they feel like they're in danger. And there's a procedure that safe place has outlined that we follow for that, which means you actually don't keep them on the public floor. You take mm -hmm. them back to a space and then you're contacting um, the appropriate organizations to then come out to assist that. So a lot of people confuse safe place with the fact, that, oh, yeah, I can just drop my children off. And that's, that's not what not that what is. is. No, um, but it is about if there's a child um, in danger that libraries like um, their schools and those kind of things that are considered safe places for them to come and equipped for us to know the next step of what we need to do when they come in. That's really important for our audience to know that. And, right. Um, so, well, so talking about safe place, um, we do know, I mean, we've been in meetings together where we talked about homelessness. Yes. And um, how so many times when people hear about the subject of homelessness, the first thing that pops up in their mind is housing. And that's important. Right. But the library has a role in right. helping with homelessness. So what's the role of the library in assisting with our homeless neighbors? First of all, libraries are free and open to everyone. Great. So in, in Greensboro, what you're going to find, as long as any anybody in our community, as long as you are abiding by the guidelines and behavior guidelines of the library, you're welcome. So we prevent, you know, present for them, excuse me, a safe place as well. That's good. But the other piece of it is, um, prior to the pandemic, one of our librarians was actually offering a course specifically designed called Relaxing Resources. So she was actually working directly with a lot of our homeless population yeah. and giving them like access to the things that we do so that they would know. But in addition to that, this is now the year four, um, mm -hmm. a partnership with the UNCG A&T Joint School of Social Work that okay. three days out of the week, okay. we actually have social work interns in the library. Now, I'm very mindful to say they're there initially because we were looking at our mental health issues. Yeah. But what we found when we were dealing with that piece of it, we also found out that we were having folks feeling safe coming and talking to them mm. about the fact that they were homeless. And so there were some yeah. placements that happened specifically last year and we're continuing that and hoping to expand it because again, when you come into the library, you're coming to a space where you don't feel judged. Yes. So for our homeless population, mm -hmm. we're not looking at them. When people come, they're like, oh, they're homeless. We're like, and? Yeah. I would rather they be here than somewhere else. Yes, exactly. Um, we won an award back in the early 90s because during the winter before um, there was a huge push for the winter mm -hmm. emergency shelter piece, we actually had a program that we did in partnership with the Salvation Army and then Food Not Bombs, which eventually the leader of that um, was the person who actually started the IRC. Yes. We actually provided winter programs. So where they fed and then we yeah. had access to library resources. Mm -hmm. We had barbers and nurses come in. Yes. So we've been active with the homeless population for a long time because we believe very strongly that we have the ability to make a difference in their lives because we have the resources at hand. So when the social workers may be working with them on housing and they're like, okay, they, they need some skills. Well, then we're offering computer classes. We're offering access. So it's all right there in the public library. So it's not just brick and mortar. Exactly. I mean, it's it's um, and again, that's another. When people hear public library, they think books. Right. You know, often 
it's it's a connection that we don't often make. That you're actually making a difference in the lives of people who do not have shelter, permanent shelter, and how, especially when it gets cold, like right. we're getting into right now. So thank you very much for all you do, especially for our homeless neighbors. Which also leads me to another subject on digital divide. Mm -hmm. uh, it's always been there. Correct. For many years. But the pandemic highlighted our struggles. We've been able to bridge that gap. And I know that you and I have had this conversation. How did the library play a role in that space? What, how was the library able to help us bridge this divide during the pandemic and even now? Right. So for us, um, you know, we have uh, over 200 plus public access computers throughout the system. Yes. We were closed um, to the public only for six weeks before uh -huh. we came back to work. Um, our staff. Mm, so we started weeks. off doing initially just doing some curbside service, yeah. but it became really important to us that we started to recognize that we had a community uh -huh. that they were trying to access their stuff for their children for themselves from their smartphone. Yes. So we went from a grab and go, which was come in, grab your books and go, mm -hmm. to adding it to an hour so that people could actually come in okay. and have computer access. And I think one of the stories probably that hits me the most is that actually comes out of our Vance Chavis branch, uh, which is the branches that's there for mm -hmm. the Windsor, Windsor Chavis NOCO um, community complex. When their staff would say they would have people come in, um, both both uh, community members and immigrants who needed to access things that they could only do on the Internet and they need to print out, yes. some of which were sometimes death certificates so that they could get the benefits that they needed wow. from their family members that they had lost during COVID. They didn't know how to do that themselves. They couldn't do that at home. They didn't have those resources. So in the public library, it wasn't just access to the computer, just access to the printer, but it was access to a librarian or a library staff member a who was guide. able to help them navigate that. Wow. That's incredible. And how many computers or... I would say that um, hardware, were we able to distribute? We actually made the choice um, I, not to actually check out laptops and, and hotspots. Wow. And the reason why we did that is because um, of a philosophy that our leadership has, which is we don't want to give it and take it away. Mm -hmm. So if we lend you a hotspot for how long, when it comes back, exactly. you no longer have access mm -hmm. in your house. Yeah. If we lend you a laptop, then you bring it back, then you don't have it in your mm -hmm. house. Or if we lend it to you and you lose it, do you really, the same person who has to check That's it out, true. do you have the finances to pay for that to be replaced? Mm -hmm. Instead of that, what I chose to do is to advocate very strongly, not just here at the local level, but even on some national forums for digital, you know, universal broadband yeah. access. Mm -hmm. And that's very important where people live in rural areas right. or they live in areas of our cities where there is just so much poverty and and people need that access to right. still be able to do different things. So free Wi-Fi. Exactly. And able to have access to a free laptop uh, that will allow you to, because it's a way of you preparing for your future. And if the library indeed is a conduit to destiny, Correct. which I believe it is, having access to digital resources really helped that. Right. And so one of the things I've said is we, if we could ever get to the point of universal broadband, mm -hmm. then us lending laptops makes more sense. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. That's so, so true. You mentioned the Windsor Chavis NOCO when we were, um, is that the right way to put it? Windsor Chavis NOCO Community NOCO, Complex. NOCO Community <laughs> Complex. So, so $50 million in referendum in the last bond, right? Correct. And then the county graciously also uh, contributed about 15 million through yes. the American Rescue Plan funds and the city is also putting money, uh, millions of dollars through our own American Rescue Plan funds towards this. So the vision is gradually 
moving towards realization. Exactly. I remember when you first showed me that you and uh, our assistant city manager, Nashima Cray, who used to be head over uh, Parks and Rec, when you first showed me the concept, I was blown. You said, <laughs> this is incredible. So talk to us about what's next. First of all, talk to us about this vision for Windsor Chavis and then what's next now that the public and um, the city and the county have expressed support for this project. So the vision is that, you know, um, and Nash and I have talked about it, it's probably been more than 10 years ago when um, we first had a conversation about the concept. Looking at Windsor Chavis, both of them, and I still talk about them as if they are one already, mm-hmm. we're in a, what's considered to be an impacted community. Yes. And so what, it, uh, what happened was I was actually serving on the review of um, some grants, and I came back and my former assistant city manager, Sandy Nimmer, asked me a question. She said, do you think that we could do that here? I said, absolutely not. And she said, why? I said, well, if you let me combine Windsor and Chavis together, then we can probably do that project. And I started talking about it. And so Sandy was a person who never forgot anything. So about two weeks later, she said, hey, you know that thing you talked about? She <laughs> said, can you and Nasha get together and write it up? Um, you know, both of us had had CIPs in for those facilities. And so it's always easier for me to tell the story, Ty, about saying that there's a grandmother in the community. And she happens to have her three uh, grandchildren with her. They tend to be, in my thing, a preschooler mm-hmm. or a toddler, mm-hmm. um, a middle school or a late elementary, and then a high school student. And she takes them to this new complex. And the mm-hmm. high schooler, because who, what high schooler wants to be with grandma mm-hmm. after school? Mm-hmm. And he's been at school. Yeah. And so he goes in and he's playing some basketball because he just really needs to kind of blow off some steam. And then you have the, the elementary, middle school age that gets, stops by either the technology lab yes. or to check out some books to work on homework. Grandma drops off the preschool toddler at story time, and she goes down the hall Mm. to Zumba, right? So they're all there in one place. She comes back out. She happens because we have a kiosk that actually talks about the local crime statistics because she's been hearing some things. But she also realizes, wait a minute, there's also a fair housing, you know, workshop that's taking place next week. And they partner with local health agencies, and this is happening. Mm -hmm. Oh, wait. And there's also a swimming pool with a lazy river, so it's entertainment for my family. So it becomes the one stop for Mm -hmm family it becomes libraries have talked about as well in parks and rec about being destinations this will be the ultimate destination you could actually spend the day at the center and if we talk about the noco park side Mm -hmm. as well that's you know it's a whole health wellness education complex for the community not just for east greensboro but for people all over the city the state and if you talk to nash now we'll tell you the nation because if this thing keeps moving at the pace that it should we know that there's nothing like Like it in the u.s and really not in north america because although there's some what we're doing is we're integrating most of the places who actually do this you walk in and there's library proper and And then then there's parks and rec proper we're talking about intermingling as such for example outside of the walking track, wouldn't it be great, and this is the plan, you walk outside of that, you're mm-hmm. thinking about health and wellness. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a library lending kiosk that has health and wellness-related materials that you can check out then. Yeah. So it's, it's really taking the collection to the people about what they're doing, and then in turn saying, hey, come here, this is for your whole family, this is a place where you can gain knowledge, you can exercise, you mm-hmm. can learn about health and wellness. Mm-hmm. There's there's a, a demonstration kitchen there as well, so you can even yeah. learn how to cook healthy. But it's 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 what I believe personally, and I think if you ask Assistant City Manager McRae, she would say the same thing. This is the model of where should, we should be going. Uh, this is how city yeah. services should look, combining with community services mm-hmm. that meet community need versus building standalone buildings that look like government. That that's so true. Yeah, uh, you know. But first, it starts with vision, right? I can all, I can see it right now. So my next question to you is: So, 
when is it happening? So, you know, we're working on um, detail on that the last. We actually, thanks to the, the, the funds, you know, we're going to be able to take it completely to full design documents mm-hmm. and construction documents. And we've actually also been able, um, we'll be bringing before council um, the construction manager at risk contract because okay. that's been yep. selected. But even in that process of waiting for it to get there because that's been um, decided, there's already conversations because we have been um, very careful to point out that this can't wait. Mm. One of the things mm-hmm. that I've learned in my years with working with libraries and in this community is once you show something to a community that you're going to do, the expectation is you're going to do it. Yes. And if you don't, mm-hmm. and if you don't do it in a timely manner, they're going to find something else or they're not going to trust. So this oh, yeah. is about building trust within yes. the community. So we're trying to move forward Love as fast that. as we possibly can. Engaging the community. I can see it because when you get on um, Gate Boulevard and you're going towards East Gate, uh, Gate City uh, Boulevard, you get to this point, there are no full-service banks. Right. Uh, there are no full-service grocery stores Correct. or even um, medical facility. Correct. Um, th- these are opportunities if you were to have, if when, when we eventually have this center, we can actually have maybe banks there, possibly. Um, I was talking to one of our colleges. I said, have you considered having a satellite campus in East Greensboro? Right. This could be an opportunity. So like you said, one environment where people within walkable distance can actually get to a facility where they can have multiple things done at the same time. Recreation, learning, uh, eating, just having fun. Well, and one of the other things, if you look at the design now, it's very flexible in the spacing inside. So, you know, the ability to partner, to bring in things to happen in the Mm -hmm. location is definitely there. Um, And then, of course, because, you know, we're libraries and parks and rec, we've also made sure that art's going to be incorporated because that's um, important important to us as well. Absolutely important. And, of course, capturing the history um, of the community, which is the great thing about having a history history museum as part of the library. They can help facilitate for that for us as well. That's awesome. (laughs) I mean, it sounds really cool to me. So well, we're getting close to wrapping up our um, session today, but you and I can talk about books and libraries all day long and um, how we're using this not just as a place of learning but as a place of equipping and, uh, and as an environment where people can actually gravitate towards and really recreate and, and relieve uh, dreams and vision. We could talk about that all day. But what do you do for fun when you're not surrounded by books and and not doing library work. You know, it's interesting because I think, you know, I tell people, I, I believe that when I was created, I was created to help people to get to purpose. I love that. And so that's actually what I do and what makes me happy um, outside of that. So whether that's the activities I do within, uh-huh. in my church community or mm-hmm. what I do within my family, whatever I can do to encourage somebody else to be who they were supposed to be it. and desire to be is what I do. Now, you know, of course, there's also some binge watching of Netflix every now and then as well. Um, but that's what I gives me joy that. is watching other people, you know. Find their purpose. Exactly. Helping them. Exactly. And that's probably what led to conduit to destiny. It is. That's awesome. I like it when your personal life or your personal interest and vision collide with your professional calling. Oh, yeah, definitely. In many ways, this is one of those areas. And works with the city with being, you know, purpose-driven, that informing people-centered, it all works out. I love <laughs> it. I love it. Well, it's been great to have you here today, Bridget. Thank you very much uh, for, for coming. Thank you for having me. Appreciate that. So for our listeners, Connect GSO Podcast is your one source for learning about your city staff, the work that they do, and how it affects your lives every day. It also allows you to provide us with your ideas for improving what we do. 
So you can reach us at connectgso at greensboro-nc.gov. Connectgso at greensboro-nc.gov. Thank you.